0: Part nine of Benjamin Britten: Source Stories of Twelve Operas by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part nine: Owen Wingrave. Henry James, Owen Wingrave. Section one upon my honour you must be off your head cried spencer coyle as the young man with a white face stood there panting a little and repeating really i've quite decided and i assure you i've thought it all out they were both pale but owen wingrave smiled in a manner exasperating to his interlocutor who however still discriminated sufficiently to see that his grimace it was like an irrelevant leer was the result of extreme and conceivable nervousness it was certainly a mistake to have gone so far but that is exactly why i feel i mustn't go farther poor owen said waiting mechanically almost humbly he wished not to swagger and indeed he had nothing to swagger about and carrying through the window to the stupid opposite houses the dry glitter of his eyes, I'm unspeakably disgusted. You've made me dreadfully ill, Mr. Coyle went on, looking thoroughly upset. I'm very sorry. It was the fear of the effect on you that kept me from speaking sooner. You should have spoken three months ago. Don't you know your mind from one day to the other? The young man, for a moment, said nothing then he replied with a little tremor you're very angry with me and i expected it i'm awfully obliged to you for all you've done for me i'll do anything else for you in return but i can't do that everyone else will let me have it of course i'm prepared for it i'm prepared for everything that's what has taken the time to be sure i was prepared i think it's your displeasure i feel most and regret most but little by little you'll get over it you'll get over it rather faster i suppose spencer coyle satirically exclaimed he was quite as agitated as his young friend and they were evidently in no condition to prolong an encounter in which they each drew blood mr coyle was a professional coach he prepared young men for the army taking only three or four at a time to whom he applied the irresistible stimulus of which the possession was both his secret and his fortune he had not a great establishment he would have said himself that it was not a wholesale business neither his system his health nor his temper could have accommodated itself to numbers so he weighed and measured his pupils and turned away more applicants than he passed he was an artist in his line caring only for picked subjects and capable of sacrifices almost passionate for the individual he liked ardent young men there were kinds of capacity to which he was indifferent and he had taken a particular fancy to owen wingrave this young man's facility really fascinated him his candidates usually did wonders and he might have sent up a multitude he was a person of exactly the stature of the great napoleon with a certain flicker of genius in his light blue eyes it had been said of him that he looked like a pianist the tone of his favourite pupil now expressed without intention indeed a superior wisdom which irritated him he had not especially suffered before from wingrave's high opinion of himself which had seemed justified by remarkable parts but to-day it struck him as intolerable he cut short the discussion declining absolutely to regard their relations as terminated and remarked to his pupil that he had better go off somewhere down to eastbourne say the sea would bring him around and take a few days to find his feet and come to his senses he could afford the time and he was so well up when spencer coyle remembered how well up he was he could have boxed his ears the tall athletic young man was not physically a subject for simplified reasoning but there was a troubled gentleness in his handsome face the index of compunction mixed with pertinacity which signified that if it could have done any good he would have turned both cheeks he evidently didn't pretend that his wisdom was superior he only presented it as his own it was his own career after all that was in question he couldn't refuse to go through the form of trying eastbourne or at least of holding his tongue though there was that in his manner which implied that if he should do so it would be really to give mr coyle a chance to recuperate he didn't feel a bit overworked but there was nothing more natural than that with their tremendous pressure mr coyle should be mr coyle's own intellect would derive an advantage from his pupil's holiday mr coyle saw what he meant but he controlled himself he only demanded as his right a truce of three days owen wingrave granted it though as fostering sad illusions this went visibly against his conscience but before they separated the famous crammer remarked all the same i feel as if i ought to see some one i think you mentioned to me that your aunt had come to town oh yes she's in baker street do go and see her the boy said comfortingly mr coyle looked at him an instant have you broached this folly to her uh, not yet to no one i thought it right to speak to you first oh what you think right cried spencer coyle outraged by his young friend's standards he added that he would probably call on miss wingrave after which the recreant youth got out of the house owen wingrave didn't however start punctually for eastbourne he only directed his steps to kensington gardens from which mr coyle's desirable residence he was terribly expensive and had a big house was not far removed the famous coach put up his pupils and owen had mentioned to the butler that he would be back to dinner the spring day was warm to his young blood and he had a book in his pocket which when he had passed into the gardens and after a short stroll dropped into a chair he took out with the slow soft sigh that finally ushers in a pleasure postponed he stretched his long legs and began to read it it was a volume of goethe's poems he had been for days in a state of the highest tension and now that the cord had snapped the relief was proportionate only it was characteristic of him that this deliverance should take the form of an intellectual pleasure if he had thrown up the probability of a magnificent career it was not to dawdle along bond street nor parade his indifference in the window of a club at any rate he had in a few moments forgotten everything the tremendous pressure mr coyle's disappointment and even his formidable aunt in baker street if these watchers had overtaken him there would surely have been some excuse for their exasperation there was no doubt he was perverse for his very choice of a pastime only showed how he had got up his german what the devil's the matter with him do you know spencer coyle asked that afternoon of young lechmere who had never before observed the head of the establishment to set a fellow such an example of bad language young leishmere was not only wingrave's fellow pupil he was supposed to be his intimate indeed quite his best friend and had unconsciously performed for mr coyle the office of making the promise of his great gifts more vivid by contrast he was short and sturdy and as a general thing uninspired and mr coyle who found no amusement in believing in him had never thought him less exciting than as he stared now out of a face from which you could never guess whether he had caught an idea young Leshmere concealed such achievements as if they had been youthful indiscretions at any rate he could evidently conceive no reason why it should be thought there was anything more than usual the matter with the companion of his studies so mr coyle had to continue he declines to go up he chucks the whole thing the first thing that struck young Leschmere in the case was the freshness it had imparted to the governor's vocabulary he doesn't want to go to sandhurst he doesn't want to go anywhere he gives up the army altogether he objects said mr coyle in a tone that made young lechmere almost hold his breath to the military profession why it has been the profession of all his family their profession it has been their religion do you know miss wingrave oh yes isn't she awful young lechmere candidly ejaculated his instructor demurred she's formidable if you mean that and it's right she should be because somehow in her very person good maiden lady as she is she represents the might she represents the traditions and the exploits of the british army she represents the expansive property of the english name i think his family can be trusted to come down on him but every influence should be set in motion i want to know what yours is can you do anything in the matter i can try a couple of rounds with him said young leshmere reflectively but he knows a fearful lot he has the most extraordinary ideas then he has told you some of them he has taken you into his confidence i've heard him jaw by the yard smiled the honest youth he has told me he despises it what is it he despises i can't make out the most consecutive of mr coyle's nurslings considered a moment as if he were conscious of a responsibility why i think military glory he says we take the wrong view of it he oughtn't to talk to you that way it's corrupting the youth of athens it's sowing sedition oh i'm all right said young Lechmere, and he never told me he meant to chuck it i always thought he meant to see it through simply because he had to He'll argue on any side you like. It's a tremendous pity. I'm sure he'd have a big career. Tell him so, then. Plead with him. Struggle with him. For God's sake. I'll do what I can. I'll tell him it's a regular shame. Yes, strike that note, and insist on the disgrace of it. The young man gave Mr. Coyle a more perceptive glance. I'm sure he wouldn't do anything dishonorable. Well, it won't look right he must be made to feel that work it up give him a comrade's point of view that of a brother in arms that's what i thought we were going to be young lechmere mused romantically much uplifted by the nature of the mission imposed on him he's an awfully good sort no one will think so if he backs out said spencer coyle they mustn't say it to me his pupil rejoined with a flush mr coyle hesitated a moment noting his tone and aware that in the perversity of things though this young man was a born soldier no excitement would ever attach to his alternative save perhaps on the part of the nice girl to whom at an early day he was sure to be placidly united do you like him very much do you believe in him young Lechmere's life in these days was spent in answering terrible questions but he had never been subjected to so queer an interrogation as this believe in him rather then save him the poor boy was puzzled as if it were forced upon him by this intensity that there was more in such an appeal than could appear on the surface and he doubtless felt that he was only entering into a complex situation when after another moment with his hands in his pockets he replied hopefully but not pompously i dare say i can bring him around End of part nine